Carla, the Carl is the fire and Wankawank is the language. And it means a few different things. That means fire, talk. When we speak from that fire, we speak from that heart, fire in our gut, and we speak the truth. That fire brings you into action. Welcome back to Color Wonk Fire Talk podcast. This is episode two. You're joined by host Karen Cox and you're with Aaron Sutton and Emil Boxer. Just a reminder that if you are looking to listen to us, you can find us on Anchor or you can find us on the other platforms such as Breaker, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts, Radio Public and Spotify. While we're talking here on the Fire Talk podcast, Kyla Wonk going forward, we'd really appreciate it if you can go find us there on those platforms or on Facebook, Instagram, slash YouTube, if you can try find us there as well. In the future, we're going to be posting our visuals as well as the audio on those platforms. Can't wait to get into this massive discussion. The fire has started, boys. How are you feeling today? Feeling good, Russ. Let's go. I'm ready. Yeah, man. Feeling excited. I'm prepped and ready to go. Yeah, so let's get into it. What did you get up to today with the lockdowns coming into place? I mean, just getting ready, like this week was meant to be the start of school, start of the kids going back to school, but dealing with like a little bit of a back injury. So just everything was trying to starting to get ready to go. And then we found out this afternoon, like, oh, wait a second, one more week. So just trying to prep everything, making sure the kids don't drive us crazy. It also gives me another week to heal. So for all the people listening in Perth, Western Australia, if you don't know already, we've gone into a five-day lockdown. Amir, what did you get up to today up there in Broome? We're here with you, Mum. Yeah, man, I'm doing good. It's, it's actually like been pissing with rain the last like two days. It's like flooded everywhere. It's really cool. When it comes up to wet season time of the year here up in the north, it's like it's it's really like exciting because the rain comes and it feeds all the vegetation, feeds all the insects and everything. The insects eats that and then it's just like everything just becomes alive. So there's like frogs and snakes and guanas and stuff, kangaroos everywhere. So it's really, it's really an exciting time for this part of Australia. Today I went to one of the parks, I guess you could say. It's more like a, not like a park, but like a, it's just basically the scrub up near the point, Ganthian point i went down there and did some photography like for like shots and birds and stuff and i feel it feels so quirky like shooting birds because i feel like i'm like full bird observer like <laughs> so i'm just there like parked up with my huge camera like in the scrub like taking pictures of these birds but yeah had a bit of fun with that i love photography then i went down to cable beach and they were like these surfers mad swell from the storm so i got some really good photos of them then i uh, came home and had a nap and woke up and yarned with you mob and now i'm here plug your instagram Emil. where can we find you so we can find these videos that you're talking about you can find me at uh, on my photography instagram it's called my it's just my initial so it's lowercase e lowercase b underscore shot sts on instagram and yeah i've just my post pretty relatively regularly lately so just a little something i do for fun really check that instagram out if you want to see how deadly this bloke is have a scroll and it won't take too long i'm sure we're joined here today for episode two and we wanted to have a discussion about investing internally meaning to the mob and helping ourselves versus investing our time and energy externally. Externally meaning organizations that are running the lives that we live. Emil brought up the discussion. Could you tell us a little bit about it in from your point of view? Give you a few examples in regards to the the notion of investing internally versus externally. And I'll go with my externally story first so i've been working at a school here for the last year or so my old high school and i've been having this really really good time with one of the english teachers there and we were discussing a lot about like a whole bunch of different like social issues and racism and classism and all that sort of stuff and it was all up right in the middle of when like all of that george floyd stuff was going down in the middle of where we sort of basically like did a whole big sidetrack of what was usually taught and we just delved straight into all of those issues like the black lives matter and all that sort of stuff the experience of marginalized 
marginalized uh, groups over there are very similar to indigenous people's experience over here. And it was really interesting for me because I was investing to like a lot of non-indigenous students. Like I was like, oh yeah, all sorts of like giving all this energy, giving them all this perspective, like writing like activities for them, giving them to think critically, like all of this like external um like energy that I was giving. And I was really unaware of like how much it was actually taxing me. And I think a lot of, there were a few penny drop moments, I think, for all of the kids. And I think they benefited from it. But one thing that I was really unaware of is how much it was actually going to like emotionally and psychologically burn me out because I did speak because I wanted them to get to like a deep understanding of from some of the exercises that I was trying to exemplify that. And I, I shared a lot of my personal experience discrimination, which is like really uh, personal for me because I think anybody from like a base level of being a human being, when you experience something that another person doesn't experience because of whatever characteristic that you have that you had no control over because it's just how you were born it's very like a it's you know that's just sort of the basis for discrimination at least it's in my opinion it's very like a hurtful thing because you know i'm just there like living my life and then this person tries to like fuck with me for like no seemingly good reason it's very like hurtful so i didn't really realize and I was like, fuck yeah, like, cause I was like, that's a sick example of discrimination from my own personal experience because I think it's, it's a much more meaningful thing to express to an, at least to another human being because it's such a personal thing, an intimate thing to share. And I was like a little bit like unaware of that, how much it would impact me because I was like, I was like, oh, I was, cause I was so excited to talk to these kids about it. I was like, oh yeah, we'll, 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 this is going to be sick. This is going to be sick. And then I found myself really investing in it or maybe better part of like two, three weeks in those classes with those kids. And at the end of it, man, I was like freaking cooked. Like I did not realize, like, I think I took like a day or two off work just because I was so psychologically drained from investing that much. And I, and I think it did help some kids. I think it. I think it definitely benefits a lot of them. But knowing, knowing, having, knowing, having that experience that I had, I'm very like sensitive to and um, sensitive how I'm gonna navigate that next time because I was like fucking wrecked, brah. And I think sometimes I do wonder whether or not that investment was worth whatever return I got or I felt I got. And sometimes I'm like, yeah, I'm not too sure if it was or not because of how like taxed I was afterwards but I think that's one thing I guess me and you had a conversation at the time when when this was happening and I think for us in general we're, we're already pretty drained when things like that happen just generally without having to put this extra energy into helping other people understand or or under, or see a point of view we're already drained like every time it happens do you know what I mean I had a lot of like conversations with in with my inner circle with with my wife and then with, with like friends like yourself and stuff, we're already drained. And then, then you went and put extra energy on top of already being drained into trying to help other people understand. So I completely understand how, how you would be so wrecked after, cause it was already draining for me. I didn't put any extra energy into trying to like do a program like you did. So I was like, bro, that's like, if you can do that, you can do that. And and I can completely understand how drained you would have been, man, because like, you know what I mean? This is the, this is the, I don't want to say burden, but this is what we walk around with every day. You know what I mean? Did you feel like it did not only take like energy out of your body or what else did it affect in your life? That draining that you were talking about? Um, oh, really really good question because i had um a really like weird internal conflict with you know the whole notion of like it's not my like you know as a, as a person who experiences um who, like whoever you are if you're 
you know, there's a characteristic that, like, uh, that, that, that deems you, um, that makes it so that you experience discrimination sometimes, like, uh, the, the the notion that it's not your job to explain that to other people because it's it's like you had no control over like being born with that whatever characteristic you have and i really had a really weird conflict internal conflict with that notion because i thought that um uh how do i describe it i had internal conflict because at one end i wanted everyone to understand my situation and the broader situation because i think from that understanding like can come what's the word that can come a uh, uh, productivity i guess you could say and then and and that just goes like completely against the notion of like it's not my job because part of me felt like it was my job um because i thought that like you know all of the all of the you know when we type in like when people ask us for information like oh man you know i really want to learn about indigenous issues this indigenous issues that and we just say oh i just google it and i think like because yeah because it's not our job but part of me is like the information that they find online like who wrote that information it's going to be some fucking black fella who read about it you know what i mean like and they that person took it took responsibility within themselves to share that information and i guess like to share that information and give that broader context for get get non-digital people to understand like the situation that we're in at the moment and i think and i and i and part of me thinks that 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 like if not me then who yeah you know what i mean yeah so, so that was yeah that that was that was the sort of the battle I was having I was having but at the same time maybe it's sort of like a double edged sword that we're always going to have to handle because like one end we want people to understand the other end like it's exhausting for us and I think I'm still trying to figure that out I guess yeah but what do you guys think about what I just said but what's really interesting about what having to explain things to people right because they genuinely they're genuinely trying to understand or they're they're trying to get another perspective um, so if you if you have the energy one day and you feel like talking about it, right? Because that's the thing. That's the other thing. We can't get locked in and feel like we have to answer. And this is a conversation I've had mm. with my daughter a lot of the times. Um, she's only freaking 10 and people at school are asking her um, things about being indigenous. You know what I mean? And she's like, she comes home, she's exhausted. And she's like, sometimes I don't know how to answer them. And I was like, well, Bob, you don't need to have all the answers. Like you don't ever have to feel that you need to have the answers. But What's crazy is sometimes you feel like talking about it that day and you, you give them the context, you give them the time, you talk about it. You know, maybe things are going right that week. Everything was good. You, you were in a good place and you were able to help them out. And then next time something happens, and they come to you because they're like, hey, Aaron gave me a good perspective. I'm not having a good week this time. I'm not dealing with it well. You know what I mean? And then they're getting that version of me where I'm like, can you just fuck off or can you please just go and Google it? Like I'm not here to educate you every single time do you know what i mean like there's different levels to it and i, I feel like um uh, our non-indigenous counterparts sometimes they don't understand like i said we we walk with this every day right this is this is the what's in our mind every day right and uh, sometimes some of them do some of our allies completely understand and say hey uh, when you feel like it or maybe I can catch you at a time when you feel comfortable. They might hit you with that. But then some people are going to ask, and if you don't give them the the X, Y, Zs on it, they're going to be like, well, fuck. They're just moody all the time. They don't want to talk about this stuff. Do you know what I mean? Like, I see the same thing that you're saying. Like, if not me, then who? That's extra pressure. Because then you're like, yeah. I'm in a bad frame of mind. I don't feel like doing this right now. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's tough. It's tough. Yeah, I guess you could, I guess coming from that, I guess you could say it's more what your basic summary was, at least, or at least me simplifying it, that I think in my own head, um, is like, it's all about energy balance. Like if you're, if you're one day, like you said, you feel good and you're ready to, and you're comfortable enough to be, to express whatever you think is beneficial that you want to express, go do it. But if you're not, 
and you don't have to, and it's not your job. And if you don't feel like you don't want to on the day, that's totally fine. Like, it's like, you're not getting paid to do it. Like you just do it because you want to. And if you don't want to fucking don't do it. Yeah. And I think, yeah, I think that's more or less about, yeah, more about, less about energy balance. And I think, and I think you, you hit on the, you hit the nail on the head before when you mentioned like always having to think about these things and always having to, to carry them with you in a way a lot of the time. And I think, and I, I think I just wasn't conscious of that because in one, one thing, I don't think I was conscious enough. And two, I was really excited to like delve, dive straight into it because I'm all about that sort of stuff. And I think in my excitement, in my rush to do it, I be, I really like, uh, disregarded my own like psychological well-being i guess i could say yeah can i can i say something funny so like the the real simple not as not as charged version of this that we've all freaking experienced is we get asked to do a welcome to country and then we're like well actually can't do that i'm not from here and then they want to know why what's the difference yeah and then you're like far out how many times are i going to have this fucking conversation like do you know what i mean <laughs> <laughs> yeah and then like you know thankfully there's a I think it's on the reconciliation site where there's like a little blurb, like a real basic acknowledgement in country. Like you can just send them to that. But like, you know, every, every black fella has to deal with that at some point. I swear to God, they'll, you're going to be asked to do an, an, uh, a welcome and then you're going to have to be like, hang on a second. That's like the smallest, like the funniest thing I always find, especially then the conversations that stem from it. Mm. I think it's a really important conversation yeah, can keep going? around investing our time externally versus what we can do internally for our community and where we choose to put our time and attention. Aaron, you're someone that does a lot for the community and you do it widespread. You do it all over the country. Could you tell us a little bit about the internal side of things and what does it look like for people that don't know what it is? Explain that. All right, man. So, like, uh, me and my wife, we started this um, Indigenous Corporation. It's a charity. Started it because uh, I was talking to my auntie back home. I'm from Tennant Creek. And we're just talking about young young fellas there and about how, how you know, the things, as much nostalgia I have in my childhood, right, I still understood now looking back how, how little I had, how little we had as a community. And I was talking to my auntie about it and... Just that, like, uh, it really, really pissed me off, to be honest with you, but where people are like, uh, Tenant Creek's not what it likes, like, not like, not how it used to be, you know? It's gone down the hole. It's a piece of shit now. And I was like, no one's taking responsibility for this. Like, how can you talk about your home like it's a piece of shit and not, not willing to, like, talk about the issues and fix them? And it used to frustrate me so much. And then uh, having this conversation with my auntie, she works with a, um, with the drug and alcohol uh, rehabilitation center there. And she does the youth outreach for that, for the kids that are affected for those families. And, um, you know, we we're just talking, we we're yarning. And she said, you know, these kids, it's the same, same and even worse. And I said, well, what can, what can I do? Like, auntie, what can I do? Like, this is something close and close and dear to my heart. And I'm, I had a whole bunch of like, you know, old clothes and stuff. And I said, well, if I sent these old clothes and shoes over, would that help? Like, would that help? You know? And she said, that would, that would love that stuff. You know what I mean? If you can get some football boots. And so anyways, that's how, how we started. We um, ran a couple of donation drives, right? And we, we collected 2,000 pairs of uh, shoes and socks. And we sent them to Tennant Creek and these kids got to use them. And it was great, right? And then we saw, we started to look at, oh, well, if this can happen in one town, if we're able to make an impact with these kids in this one town, there's so many other little towns that are very similar to this. So we can then 
do the same thing and help a lot of these other small indigenous communities. And then that's how we that's how we started growing. And then now we want to try and get into the mentoring side of things. Um, but we're all internally um, motivated. So everything we do is about our people. So it's led by us. It's for us. So we directly ask the communities what they want. We directly look at how we can impact the community. And then we try and figure out a way to, to, to do it, which is... It's tough. It's hard, right? But a lot of the programs before us frustrated the crap out of me because when we were trying to find a way to help, a lot of these programs weren't run by us. Like, sure, blackfellas work for them, but they're not Indigenous owned. And they're running from a process externally and they're, they're like, oh, these are the things that are going to help these communities. They don't have this and they don't have that. Let's, let's give them this and let's give them that. And the people in the community, there's so many other things that they're trying to fix or trying to what they deem is more important, right? What they're, what they're trying to take care of. And no one's listening to them. Well, they feel like no one's listening to them, right? So there's such a disconnect. So it seems like so just common sense to us, right? Talk to the community. What does the community want? Let's get the community what they need. Uh, and then this is something that me and Jack talk about a lot is um, building that sustainability where it's all internally ran. So then all Indigenous companies, corporations, all helping out uh, indigenous communities um, but then if I'm going to bridge it into the external stuff a little bit is uh, so now it's uh, becoming draining because there's not a lot of funding sources internally for us to then implement these changes that we can do there's only so much we can do for free or with the money that we have and when I talk about the money that we have I'm a, I'm a student at uni my wife is a student at, well just finished studying at uni so very, very uh, resources poor, right? But we're trying to use the connections we have to try and build up this this momentum. So then now a lot of our energy is, all of our energy is focused internally, but we're spending a bit of time now looking externally. So talking to people externally saying, hey, this is what we do, this is what we're trying to do, and this is what we need to try and have a bigger, bigger positive impact. This is how you can help us. It's not really working at the moment. We're trying our hardest, but you know, it, it's hard. It's it's a different, it's a different uh, avenue. Trying to talk to people that see how things have ran normally, and then seeing how we're trying to do things, and it kind of it's different for them. But I feel like uh, the investment internally is super important. So everything we focus on, as not just with the um, donations and stuff, but something that I love to talk about is the exposure. I don't like using the word luck, but the reason why I'm in the position I am now is because my mum made decisions, tough decisions as a single mum, that led us to be exposed to what life is like in Perth, led me to meeting different people in different walks of life. And then all of a sudden in my life's journey, I've, I've been exposed to so much that university seems normal, right? So now I'm at university. But then I look back at the town, the, the mob in the town, their world is just within the borders of that town. So our focus is trying to spread the exposure because with exposure becomes expansion, right? So if we can expose these kids, because we focus mainly on youth, right? If we can expose these kids to, to different avenues and different things and different opportunities in life in general, uh, different job prospects, different career prospects, chasing what they want to be, what they want to love, um, because there's not enough emphasis, not enough investment in, that, in our youth, then that exposes them and allows them to expand and then they can go and enjoy the world, right? 
And this is the other tricky side of the thing, right? So they get to go externally and explore, right? But then even then being external and exploring still motivates and inspires the people internally that are still there. And then they can come back and help internally. And that's just what I, that's how I see it. That's how I, that's how our whole goal and our whole thing. Sorry for young in biggest ways about that, but I'm super passionate about it. I think everything that you just said was a hundred percent on the money. And it definitely needs to be said because in order to reinvest back into the community, we do need to make sure that there are people in these positions with the skills, with the education, like you're talking about. And that starts with exposure. So I definitely agree with you, but I just wanted to touch on the external side of things because I'm sure it's a bit of a conflict for many of us, but what do you think about it, Aaron? Is it a conflict for you personally, having to juggle external responsibilities and things that you've got going for you and things that you're passionate about with the things that you're doing internally for the community, like you were saying? It's really, it's really tough, yeah. And, and it leads to something that we've talked about all the time, you know, walking in two different worlds. Man, I feel like uh, a lot of my energy and focus is internal, but I am starting to be a doctor, you know, at a university, working towards getting a, having a career in, a, in, a, in an environment that's systemically not built for our, for our people. Our people are in the hospitals and in the med- medical system, great deal, right? We're dealing with, with that a lot of, but the, the system's not built perfect. It doesn't cater to, but I'm also trying to internally uh, build and, and create this capacity, right? Every day, every day is a struggle. Every day is thinking about these external things and these internal things. But one thing I've always stood by is, uh, I wish Jack was here because pretty funny story, but um, we had this yarn a while ago. Uh, we had a non-Indigenous person uh, tell us that we just have to understand that this is his quote, this is a quote from him, that we just have to understand that Indigenous people aren't going to get anywhere in the world without the help of a white man. Bro, like that opened up so much emotion uh, in our group and, and anger from me because I feel like we can do it ourselves. It's different now. Like we started to individually build and we got some really intelligent brothers and sisters in, in places that are trying to do things. And uh, like my brother Jack says, once we can start to get us all to move towards the same energy and try and build towards something, it's going to be unstoppable. And that's that's where I kind of really want to see us move towards so that we're not so dependent on external, um, pushing ourselves external so much and, and having to depend so much on, on what they're doing. Like for us, I'd love it for us to not have to, 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 to feel like we need these government grants and government funding for our programs to run. I wish we had internal, internal capital that could then be invested into these programs that work. And then even if they work, the government just doesn't feel like investing in them and then everything gets shut down. Do you know what I mean? It's unfair. So I really feel like to get to that place, we need to we need to leverage our external to then help our internal build the capacity so that it's all led internally. And that's where that's where the other conversation comes in about allies. You know, we need the right allies, the people on board that really want to make a difference with our communities and uh, are willing to, how do I even say it? Are willing to make themselves redundant, uh, help 
help as much as they can until they're them themselves are redundant and they're not needed anymore. And that's that's what we need more of. So uh, this is another subject I'm passionate about and I can talk about for days. I think the whole point of Kyla Wonk is to be unfiltered, unapologetic, to sting people into action with the fire, with those words that you are so passionate about. And I can feel it. It comes right from your stomach. I just wanted to respond to that thought by saying, inevitably, we do want to invest our time and energy internally, but it's a fact of reality and fact of life that we find ourselves in positions every single day where we have to run everything that runs our lives around the external, like we're talking about. And I just want to talk about what it's like to live in two worlds at the same time. It's a conversation that I'm sure has been spoken on before, but from my personal experience growing up as a Noongar man in Perth, you're expected to have a lot of knowledge that you're not even given as a young person. But it comes back to when we find ourselves striving for the best and trying to achieve things in our own personal lives and trying to go to university slash when we graduate university and move into the workplace, we are forced inevitably to live in these two worlds. And myself, I just want to talk about my experience because my life has been in a private boys' school. Now reflecting, I feel like they didn't do 100% enough to enlighten everyone about the issues that were going on because I felt like often the boys were the ones that had to answer the questions. Coming from high school, you have to gain keys to unlock these doors and it's being able to communicate on levels that they can understand so that you can knock those doors over and then be heard with our voice rather than being looked at by the stereotypes that we have spent our whole lives trying to break through. What do you guys think about that, the idea of having to live in two worlds? And tell me what you um, think. No, good, man. It's really, it's really um, interesting, interesting uh, concept because I guess, I guess like my, my most, my earliest memory of, I guess, how I can relate to this is when I was very young, between the ages of like when I was first born and 11 years old, I used to live in uh, my community, Yakanara, which is a very, very small remote place. And it was really interesting because I remember when we used to go to, when we used to go to Victoria for Christmas to visit my mom's side of the family, my non-Indigenous side, my mom would have to like almost like prep us to like um um to to go and visit like we still got we still like get this so like we're yakanara middle of fucking nowhere like middle of the freaking scrub like in the great sandy desert like 80k south um fritz are crossing like the nearest town like on a dirt track from freaking the nearest town and then we had to go from there drive all the way fritz crossing drive 400k's to broom catch a plane catch the across the country to freaking Melbourne, like the freaking biggest city in Australia, or the, I don't even know is the biggest or not. And so we had to, um, so going from like these two, two places of extreme, and it was really weird because I remember like the, not weird, but I remember when we were on the plane and getting to my uncle Louis's house, mom would always say like, oh, you remember to say please and thank you. Remember to say this, remember to do that. And it was really interesting because like the, in my language, there's no, there's no word for please or thank you. Everything is like 
inherent like it's 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 like it's it's inherent that that you if you do something they're thankful or if you if somebody if you're requesting if you if you ask something of someone it's it's out of politeness you know what i mean there's no that we don't have please or thank you in my language so it's like it was, it was interesting like being like almost like prepped to like live in this separate like exist in a separate place so um yeah it was really that's that's like at least that's my um my earliest memory that i can think of where i had to like fathom that there was like this different place um that i had to that i had to navigate through so yeah at least that's like that's the that's the one that pops in my head um first but yeah and what do you reckon man i just want to touch on one thing there well a couple of things that kieran said first of all but first of all I like to use the analogy. You you said the keys, the keys to open the doors. I, I use the, it's the same thing, but I use I use the tools, right? And I, I say like your tools in your tool belt. Due to like uh, systemic racism, oh not systemic racism, sorry, uh, intergenerational trauma, right? The tool belts that we've been passed down to us are like limited in tools that are in there. So the tools that we learn and we develop along our way are then what we put in our tool belt that allow us to continue progressing forward, right? Start having to dig, uh, develop more tools and dig deeper into our tool belt to then push forward. So I completely understand what you're talking about when you're t- saying the keys. The other thing is uh, what, what you said about, man, the, 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 the extra pressure that we all carry around, like every black fella carries around, that we have to be outstanding and that we have to be excellent, like that, that we aren't good enough, even if we're doing good. And it's crazy and it breaks a lot of us down. I remember graduating. I graduated from a degree, right? My mum my mom and dad didn't finish high school. They, I think it was like they dropped out in year nine and then year 10, right? Um, I, w- I think my mum had me when she was 18. Like I went, I didn't even do well in school, right? And I went to school and I got a degree. I went to university and got a degree so that I can get into med school. But I didn't celebrate that I got a degree because it, to me, I, I hadn't done anything. You know what I'm saying? Because to me, it was like, this isn't enough. I have to do this, this, and this. And then I, we run this charity, right? That's not an achievement to me. It's something that I feel like I feel obligated I have to do. Like it's, it's, not, it's not something that needs to be celebrated or, or anything. You know what I'm saying? We have this extra pressure that we have to be outstanding. And um, uh, that's, that's another thing that I just took from what you were saying, Kieran, like, we, we carry around a lot of stuff with us, you know what I mean? And while we're trying to navigate these two different worlds and figure out who the hell we are, um, we're, we're carrying so much. I don't want to say burdens, but we're, we're carrying it with us. And um, I, f- I feel like, uh, it, it, man, it's, it's a tough subject to talk about too because I feel like a lot of my, um, to go on board, what Emil was saying is a lot of my uh, younger life, I had no clue who I was. You know what I mean? I was like this with certain people. Then with other people, I was like this. And I, I started to, I started to not even know when I changed. Do you know what I mean? I started to not even recognize that I was acting different around different people. Do you know what I mean? And then I got lost. I didn't know because there would go long spurts in my life where I wasn't around family. Right. I was, I was playing basketball and I was away. And then all of a sudden, I'm around family and I change and then I'm around these people. And I got to a point where I didn't understand who the real me was, where I felt most comfortable. Do you know what I mean? And then as I got older, when I'm around mob, when I'm around our, our people, and it doesn't even just have to be my mob from home. Like I feel like if I walk into a room and I see 
talking to a couple of other black fellas, automatically I feel like we're at the same level. You know what I mean? We have an automatic understanding of of carrying around those burdens I talked about, of carrying around this extra uh, these extra pressures we put on ourselves. And it already gives you that energy to start off there. Like I don't need to give any context to what we're about to talk about or there doesn't have to be any extra added bits and pieces we can just, but something that's always stuck with me is I um, had a conversation with my, my uh, nan. She wasn't doing well health wise for a while. And I remember having this conversation with her on the phone and it stuck with me. I know she was probably like, uh, I don't know how serious she was about it, but she said to me, um, cause you know, I'm more proud that I was at university and that I was, I was finally doing something like this or pushing towards something. And she said, you know, you don't need to pressure yourself. You, you're not the only black fellow out there trying to do stuff. You know what I mean? So you, you're not our last hope. But she said, but every day you better act like you're the last hope. Like you better act with, with that integrity that you are the last hope, that you're the one that's out there doing this all for all of us. And taking the pressure off me by saying, you're not the only one out there doing it, but that's how you need to carry yourself. And I've always, everything we talk about, and that's where I think this passion and stuff's developed from is from stuff like that. Bust myself here too. I think it's a really, what, what you just said about your grandmother, it really hit me through to the core because I feel like a lot of us do get that from our elders, the people in our lives, because they are proud of us. And there are a lot of fellas, like we were saying earlier in, in this podcast, that are trying to achieve exceptional things that necessarily haven't been done before, which is awesome because that's how we create ourselves as a community investing internally back into ourselves and that whole conversation about how do we invest internally back into the community in a meaningful way instead of just using all the skills that we get from our external experiences etc in my own personal life i started off in apc news as a photographer slash reporter and now i've tried to try get back into noongar radio our local perth aboriginal radio station that was my attempt of trying to get back into the community, trying to listen to different points of views that I haven't heard before. What do you two think about, what advice could you give someone to invest internally back into the community? What do you think? Yeah, good question, man. I think like Aaron had a good insight there. And I've got a, I've got a really good, I've got another good friend who's, who's mentioned the same thing. He felt like he was like, He's like the first young um, man of his family to like go to university. He put like this hectic level of pressure on himself. And he thought like he was like the, I think he was like the second or third eldest. He like, he just put like this crazy amount of pressure on himself. And then he realized that like thinking that he was preparing himself to take on was, wasn't like after in hindsight now, after realizing this weird pressure he put himself, he realized that that's not necessarily like the, what his mob necessarily needed him to be like. And I think, and I think it's going to take a while for a lot of people to realize like what, what role they want to play because I think the role we think we want to play and the role that we can actually have the capacity to play two very different can be very skewed sometimes. Like sometimes we're like, fuck, pull this mad pressure on ourselves, but we actually what we have the capacity to to do and that is enough for everybody else and can be but sometimes we we're not too sure if it's enough of the expectation we have of ourselves. I think finding that balance is like the is what the sort of advice I would give to somebody like, like, cause at least this is the, this is the, this is the quote or sort of like the notion that I sort of live by. I'm even adopted lately is like, all you can sort of ever do at any given moment is your best. And that's all you should have expected of yourself. And like nothing more, nothing less. 
and I think that sort of circles back to like investing back into the mob because I think a lot of people and we know why and it's very personal for us like our investment back into the community because we we know that are like you know all of the issues that we want to combat and we want to help support and get better um, it's very it's like makes us take it really seriously and that can sometimes I think lead to that like that that uh, over the top expectation we sometimes put on ourselves or like sometimes we can feel uh, other aspects of other people in the community but I think it's it's all about realizing what we're capable of and realizing that what we what we're doing in the given moment and what we have done already is like all we can do and that's all we can expect of ourselves at least that's more or less my take on it at the moment yeah yeah i feel completely with what neil's saying too but when, when i think about what you're saying there too kira as i think about a mob that want to try and get back into the community or invest into the community there's different levels of, of cultural comfortability right because there's some of that feel like they don't really know any elders they don't really know they don't really they don't really feel attached to their culture they know they're they know they're indigenous they would love to be a part of their their community more right but they're just not sure on how to and then there's mob with a lot of connections that can they can uh then invest back into the community very very easily so um and then when i talk when i've talked to when i've talked to some people that feel like they're very disconnected from the community just because of and, and it's never from their circumstances you know what i mean and that, that's that's the craziest thing because we have things like the stolen generation. You know what I mean? Where where we've been disconnected from uh, from country, from families, where they've just been torn apart, right? And so they're they're descendants of those people, and they're not sure how to get that connection back. So, but the the, the craziest thing from these conversations I've ever had because I'm I'm a big uh, energy person. Like I feel the energy, and that's why I always love our mob because I feel like every time I draw back to the community and that's why I say, uh, like, you know, you've got to always, you've got to always do something or work with your community. So you're either working with the community you're from the community you grew up in or the community you live, right? The community has energy in abundance, right? So you can go to the community and you can, you can join in that energy, right? And then all of a sudden you have all this energy and now you've got to think about where this energy is going to be directed. Once you find a way to get in there and, and get get a part of the community, there's there's so much love, there's so much, uh, and I feel like uh, then going into the community that way and not being afraid to be a part of the community, investing in the community that way, but then it all comes down to that energy and where that energy gets focused after. That's that's just how I feel, if that makes sense. I think this has been a really important conversation because oftentimes we find ourselves in the middle. I also feel like we need to find more of a balance in between the two worlds that we've spoken about during this podcast. I feel like we've been able to have a great open mic discussion and give all of our perspectives on it. We thank you so much for listening to this episode two of the Kyla Wonk Fire Talk podcast. Make sure if you want to listen to episode three, go check out Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube for the visuals. But if you're looking for the audio, you can find us. Currently, we've got 92 listeners just on the first episode. So if you're listening to the second and you miss the first, make sure you go listen to the first. You can find it on Spotify, Radio Public, Breaker, or Google Podcasts. Go find that, you mob. Thank you so much for listening to us. Hey, and we appreciate and love all 92 listeners. They like we, we appreciate everybody listening, yeah. And show us who you are. Go comment on the Facebook and the Instagram so we can put a name to a face, yeah. I guess, instead of just mysterious. Con- connect with us. Connect with us. Definitely. I like that. Connect with us. Thank you so much for listening. We hope you have a great night or day wherever you're listening. 
look forward to episode three. Till then, Kyla Wonk Fire Talk. Talk soon, you mob. Love you, mob. Yeah.